So welcome back, folks, to episode 8B. <laughs> so as mentioned before in previous podcasts, I am no uh, sound engineer, and I'm still trying to learn my, my app and how this all works. So 8A ended quite abruptly uh, because uh, we had to make a little stop in the presentation. The podcast had to stop. When I stopped it, I stopped it. I didn't pause it, so here we go. We're so back, we're back. Here's 8B, and we're talking about Walker's K. So right. hopefully we have our followers from 8A, <laughs> and if not, go screw yourself. Eh, no, we don't mean that. So Charlie, Charlie had been to Walker's K. Thirsty Mofo, you went to Walker's K back in probably early uh, 2000s or yeah. late 19, 1999 or so. Yeah, late 1990s, early 2000, yeah. Good time. Um, so I know cool place, I right? Know, yeah, I know you're going to go into a little bit of the history of what Walker's K is, and uh, but in a nutshell, it's an island in the Bahamas, right? And uh, it's a small island that someone um, invested some money in and uh, and built a power plant on it and a uh, desalination desalination. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Um, plant on there. So you get fresh water and uh, electricity. But not much nice. more than a hotel and a marina, right? I Correct. Mean, yeah, it's a small little atoll. Uh, yeah. Atoll in, in the Bahamas. Yeah, and it's so small that uh, they uh, they have a very small runway for Cessnas and stuff. Right. But uh, the plane we took over from Fort Lauderdale was a pan, an old Pan Am seaplane. Oh, yeah. And so uh, you take off um, at Fort Lauderdale Airport and you land in the ocean. And you taxi up what I would describe as a boat ramp onto the land. Right. And uh, it's the craziest thing because when you um, you get there and you finally get on land, you're greeted by a Bahamian um, uh, immigrations agent. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No. You're, yeah. You need to show your, show your, uh, your credentials. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So there he comes out of like a little... Uh, outhouse looking yeah, structure and he says uh can i see your passports please no, no <laughs> it's the funniest thing this you know uh 40 minutes ago you were in fort lauderdale no, yeah not well, even and then now you're uh you're in bahamian territory it's a, a really good uh destination point for fishermen you know as it relates to because you can get offshore real quick or you could do flats and i think on the other side and you know, on the on the north side maybe i don't i don't know the details but but it was really, a, you could kind of do whatever you wanted to do. And like you mentioned, there's a little history there. So back in 1935, this gentleman um, who's seasoned there, he used to go there. He was a seasonal resident, Robert, and it's a funny name, Abplanalb, A-B-P-L-A-N-A-L-P-B. Doesn't mean much to us, but it will when I tell you what he invented. Wow. He invented the modern day nozzle or aerosol valve on spray bottles. Oh yeah, I so, remember that. Right? Yeah. So imagine this guy had the wherewithal to invent well, whoever I'd like to think he probably invented the spray bottle too. Because how do you have one without the other? Yeah, that's the story I heard was that he invented the aerosol can. The aerosol can. Yeah. But it, according to Wikipedia, yeah. he only invented the schnuzzle. <laughs> <laughs> The little nozzle, which is amazing if he did, because some guy invented the other part and went, now what do I do? 
yeah, well, I don't think we need a... Robert A to come by and, and fix this thing up. So, yeah. so um, yeah, he uh, he invented that and, and developed the whole island because that was where he loved to be. So they went from then till till two thousand five or so, and they had uh, two back to back hurricanes. And you argue that it was a different one, but Francis and Jean were supposedly the two which are relatively back and back because it's alphabetical, A, B, C, D, F, G, yeah, the same, J. Same calendar same, year. Same season, yeah. right? same hurricane season. It destroyed, the, it destroyed the hotel and totally you know, disrupted the marina. So it kind of went flat, right? Yeah, I remember watching the... Uh, I was living in Orlando, I believe, and I remember watching the, um, uh, the weather and seeing the eye pass exactly over Walker's yeah. K. And it just the the um, you know the, the winds uh, just absolutely decimated it. Yeah, decimated it. It's a shame because it was a really cool spot. But so then, oddly enough, I work and you work in the distribution business, and you're familiar with Heritage Bag. Mm-hmm. They make you know, they make trash liners, and I'm familiar with Heritage Bag. I've I've known them forever, and um, you know they're a, a big supplier in in the food service industry, and. In night in 2018, this gentleman, uh, Carl Allen, decided he's going to go to the Bahamian government and say, "Listen, I want to, I want to help rebuild." He's a philanthropist. He does all kinds of, you know, gift giving and everything else. And he decided he's going to go back and rebuild it because that's where he had a lot of fun with his wife and his kids, his wife Gigi. And I'm getting all this on Wikipedia. I'm no genius, right? <laughs> it's, it's 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 a couple of keystrokes away from being a genius. So this dude goes in and he he says to the Bahamian government, I want to I want to rebuild this. And he probably rolled in in his wife's forty million dollar yacht. Nice. That's going to be a pretty nice ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's guess what it's named? Remember his wife's name, Gigi. Gigi. Guess what it's named? Gigi. Good call. So Robert <laughs> Allen, who founded Heritage Bag, wow. of all right, which is a crazy coincidence. Um, because I was just talking about Heritage yesterday in the office, and next thing you know, I look it up, and he's the, he's the founder of Heritage Bag. He's the guy who's going to hopefully rebuild it. And they said they thought they'd be up and running in, in the summer of 2019, but it doesn't appear that it's happened yet. And I can only imagine how much how much that's going to take to get that squared away. But Oh, that's um, awesome. I oh, didn't was, know that, yep. that, uh, that he had took on that and taken on that endeavor to rebuild that. Yeah. That's great. Let's hope because because uh, I'd love to get back there. Yeah, me too. You know, all my days of watching Walker's Cake Chronicles and the Flats Boats and bone fishing and, and, and you, shooting out offshore. You, me, and Woody. We get there. Vince. We can get there and Vince. Yeah. What's, what's the distance? It's from... a, uh, 90 miles uh, due east of Stewart, Florida. That's it. So, so it's a little further from Fort Lauderdale because you're going a little bit yeah, north. North, yeah. But uh, not much, not much oh, at we all. Can, we can make that run. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an easy uh, seaplane run. So or, what, or by boat. Yeah, we, yeah. No, you could, no, yeah. You could make a you can make a boat run there. Yeah, which would have to do because you need a boat. Not yeah, a boat. I mean, it's easier to get out of Fort Lauderdale than it is to get out go out of Miami right. for sure. Oh yeah, that'd be that's cool. a little bit longer trip, but um, but nevertheless, nonetheless, it's a. Uh, Destination. Good we should do yeah, it. Yeah. You, how'd you guys do down there? Uh, we did great. Um, you know, we were talking about sharks earlier in uh, episode 8A. and uh, Good call. <laughs> so, uh, uh, a lot of sharks down there. And like you said, the water drops off and goes deep in a hurry. Yeah. It's like you're sitting on top of a volcano. It's very similar to when I fished in Hawaii. And you just go out a short distance and you're in some seriously deep water. Yeah, it's like these volcanic cones, right? That yeah. became 
almost like coabin. So I caught, we were catching a bunch of beautiful yellowfin tuna, and then we caught a couple of blackfin tuna. This is in, in uh, Walker's Cay, yeah. yeah. And uh, so funny, I've got a couple funny stories there, but, uh, you know, one of the great ones. We'll was, be the judge of that. <laughs> Well, I'll laugh at them, and then if anybody <laughs> joins me in the laughter, I'll, uh, I'll appreciate it. In episode eight, <laughs> no. So uh, the captain, we were in a in a big boat. We were in like a sixty five seventy foot Bertram, mm. and uh, the captain was up in the flybridge, and uh, he could see the sharks, and we couldn't see him. Right. And so every time he'd hook up, he'd be screaming at us, "Get them in, boys! The sharks will get them!" And so, uh, sure enough, uh, my buddy Gus was caught this fish and he was reeling 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 and it was it was slack line he it was like the line was like it had snapped the line yeah and the captain says screaming at him it's still on he's still on he's still on and he is just completely reeling 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 and uh unbeknownst to us the shark is chasing the tuna towards the boat also all the tuna's running swimming for his wife it's coming straight (laughs) at us coming straight at us Mm. and uh as Gus gets that thing up to the stern of the boat, that shark came up and chomp took him from the head down. Come on. Gone. Gone. It was like right out of Jaws. Wow. <laughs> right out of Jaws. And the line, you know, when the shark bit the, the fish and the line went taut and then it let Nothing. and it cleaned, you know. And Gus went head over the yeah. His head came flying into the boat, wow. literally, and it was the a big head of a big tuna. No kidding. And the shark took it from the neck. Can you imagine? Down. And who was Gus? Was somebody's uh, Vince's uh, his uncle or something? Uh, Vince's uh, wife's cousin. Yeah, I remember. I remember the yeah. stories about yeah. Gus. Yeah. Gus, a retired DEA agent. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah, funny, funny guy. Uh, yeah. Stories like you'd believe, wouldn't believe in a Miami DEA agent. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? <laughs> he wasn't busy, was he? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, uh, well. We'll talk about that later uh, because that came in very handy when we flew back. Oh yeah, to Fort Lauderdale. Um, so picture a bunch of twenty-something-year-old uh, guys in the uh, probably early to mid nineties. Um, you know, leaving the country in a seaplane, right? Coming back to Fort Lauderdale yeah. in a seaplane. What the question marks? And uh, so uh, the uh, the EA. Agents, you know, no, uh, no uh, homeland security back then. It was all DEA. Right. So, uh, they, as soon as the plane landed, told the pilot, you know, no, 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 you're not going to the gate. You're going over here, and they separated all of us, six of us, and uh, we had three coolers full of tuna, and uh, so they started interrogating us. Okay, where are the drugs? Where's the cocaine? Right. And you know, I'm with the, like, with the nerdiest nerdiest guys on the planet and they're all CPAs. <laughs> sorry, Vince. <laughs> I don't think he's listening, but no. sorry, Vince. <laughs> These guys are straight laced as they come. Right. And so uh, we each end up keep telling them that each DEA agent is asking the same questions and they're all getting the same answer out of six different guys, right. you know? So, so anyway, they finally believed us because we were just fed up with it. They had us there for over an hour interrogating us and like, Dude, go in the cooler, open up the fish, yeah, look yeah. in there. How, and, how tough is that? Just and, take all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, we're like, we're with a retired DEA agent. You yeah. know, run his license, you know, run his uh, No, profile. that's probably the more reason to check, right? Yeah, exactly. he knows all. He knows all the, the, uh, the loopholes. Yeah, so then they were looking for Cuban cigars and all this oh, stuff. Yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. like, oh, please. 
and says, my dad's uh, brother works at uh, Miami International, and he gets all the Cuban cigars he wants because they confiscate them. <laughs> <Right. laughs> so, oh, so, so anyway. I had yeah. one. I had a Cuban cigar recently in Bermuda. Yeah. Yeah, Brian and I were doing our little walk Wednesday evening where the girls were shopping and went by a little little uh, kiosk. They shut down Hamilton in the uh, on Wednesday afternoons. They have vendors in Hamilton the play? Him, no, I don't have, I can't afford that, nor do I want to. I know the ending. So, so we're, we're, we're uh, on the, on the street and I, I see this guy and he's, um, he's got cigars and this and that. And Brian says, I need some Cuban cigars. Oh, right here. Blah, blah, blah. So he gets this Cuban, Cuban cigars and we start smoking me and him and he brought it. He had a couple for, uh, I don't know if he can bring those back, but he did. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I can. Yeah, you can now. Yeah. So he's got a couple for his his golf buddy. So we're smoking cigars, looking like a couple of heavy hitters, right? And I walk over, and this guy is measuring a woman's foot in this little kiosk on the on the street, and it's it's all so high class. Is that how they measure cigars over there? No, no, no. <laughs> so he's measuring her foot. And I said, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm making sandals, mm. custom made sandals." And the, I mean, this guy's Italian. He wasn't Bermuda. He was Italian. Oh, so I said, "Oh, you're Italian." Figure. Right, imagine that, an Italian cobbler. So I start talking, where are you from? And he goes, oh, I'm from, I'm from uh, Siena. I said, I was in Siena like two months ago. Oh, no kidding. And he, I watched him make a sandal, like wow. separating the leather, doing the whole thing. And he said, oh, you get them while you wait. And I said, you make these while people wait? Wow. He said, oh, yes, I do. Wow. He said a couple of different things. And it was pretty cool. But so I had my first Cuban cigar. Wow. Um, a couple of weeks ago. Nice. But so so anyway, we we survived yeah. the trip. We caught a lot of tuna. Uh, we did have uh, the sharks take a That's few. So cool. um, the one of the a nice tuna I caught, uh, big big yellowfin. I got it up to the boat and um, without a shark hitting it, and uh, the the mate went down to gaff it, and he's leaning over the starboard side of the boat, and he goes to gaff it. And from the port side of the boat, this huge shark came from the other side and came in and nailed it. Really? And it had a perfect semicircle oh, cut cool. right out of his stomach. But you kept the rest, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because you can. I mean, it's... Yeah. Well, he, he took out all the guts. He gutted right. it for us and we yeah. ate the rest. So it was... <laughs> Just don't eat... You might know when he eat right around the teeth marks, you know. And it looked like I a surfboard that a shark right. had bitten the uh, complete perfect half circle out of... Uh, but that's what my tuna look like. No, we're starting to see that here now more and more. Actually, I saw a video. Was it Florida yesterday? A guy got hit and they shark tore up his hand. I, I don't know if he was surfing or something. He was in a wetsuit. He got, they threw him up on, a, on the back of a boat and he had cut marks and they almost, they blew out some of it because it was gruesome. Yes. But he had some pretty severe cuts on his hands and stuff. But like they say, these sharks are hitting people and they're hitting them going, well, that's not what I wanted and they're backing off. So it's not like, well, like last year we lost a guy in the Cape. Um, you know, I don't know if that was a, a bite and he realized he didn't want it, but it was a bite in the wrong place. Right. But that kid, you know, what, 50 or 60 years after the last fatality on the Cape. Um, but, but no, I think, it. you know, it, we've got a, 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 a seal population that's out of control. And I may have mentioned this before, but I remember going out when Colin was 10, so 15 years ago. We went out on Monomoy, and they estimated 500 seals or something like that at the time, and now they're estimating 50,000 seals. Yeah, out of the Monomoy. seals are crazy. When you look at the helicopter um, 
aerial photographs and uh, video of the beaches in Monomoy and and uh, the just just black with it's seals. Black with seals. Yeah. Well, you're now seeing them in the uh, so everybody picture. If you don't know what Cape Cod is, and I'm guessing most people listening to this do because <laughs> it's relatively regional. So picture your left arm up, horizontal, your elbow pointing out is Chatham, and then you go up, and that's the outer cape up, and then if you hook your hand over, that's Provincetown. So picture the point of your elbow out, and off that, there's, I think right now, three islands. It used to be one, then it was two, now it's three because of the breaks, but that's Monomoy. And so imagine all those seals out at Monomoy that you're talking about, but now they're finding seals up over your bicep. Up yeah. over the the bay in the base, which is yeah. Scusset and Mayflower and and all the bay beaches, which are relatively shallow. I mean, on a low tide, you could walk three quarters of a mile and get to waist deep water. Yeah, but they're you know on the higher tides, they're finding seals coming in now. We saw one. We were at Mayflower two years ago, and a seal swam by. And of course, the lifeguards get all all energized because they want to make sure you know there's nothing falling them, but. Um, but when the seals start coming up and around, because they're not they're not running across land, they're not running across six and six A. You don't think they're going through the canal? <laughs> well, we had a whale. We had a whale two weeks ago come through the canal. Guy which, caught a sailfish in the canal. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Crazy. Eight years ago. Yeah. Seven years ago, and he ended up killing it. Dumbass. He ended up keeping it out. He wanted to take pictures and take pictures, and by the time he released it, it came up belly up. Which is a shame. It was legal. I mean, he caught the fish, but you know, I, I've heard. I heard a story years ago. A guy caught a tarpon in in um, Harwich off a off a jetty. Wow. Yeah. So you know, I mean, who knows? Never know. They have a, a worm in their brain or something. They find themselves, you know, swimming <laughs> into Harwich. But but anyway, we spent a lot of time in the Cape. We were on the Cape this weekend, and uh, did some kayaking. Yeah, yakking, yeah. a little yakking. Did a little yakking. Did a little. A bonfire. A bonfire. We had a little Irish Pete. Irish Pete Moss in the fire, yeah. thanks yeah. to Mike Culler. Yeah, thank you, Mike. And uh, we ended up on uh, in Tajma the next day on Randy's boat. We got lucky enough to be staying at the house when they got the invite. So we went over and uh, nice day, rafting up. Um, great boats. Yeah. You know, just some great, just a great area on the vineyard. It was funny. We came out of um, Lacoya Bay with Randy, come under the bridge. Small, you know, um, regular bridge, you know, two-lane bridge. And come running out, and there's a beautiful cobble out there. Like, I don't know, 36, 37 feet. And Randy runs kind of close to it. And he's running a formula. I think a 38 formula. There's like 11 of us on it. We're just going to run a Tajmo and raft up. So he's running. He runs right by this guy. And I go, Randy, give him some space. And I'm up, of course, i got to be right next to him. Give him some space. He's probably fishing. He ain't fishing. So we pull up, right? So the guy goes, hey! And Randy stops and goes, hey! And I look and I go, hey, Brian. And it, was, <laughs> it was a guy I've known 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, he lives over in that same neighborhood. He's got this 30, mid-30 cobble, beautiful blue hull. I mean, things spotless. He's, he's kind of sitting on the gunnel with his legs, one leg in the water. His wife is up underneath the salon because she had had LASIK surgery, couldn't be out in the sun. Oh, but I'm like... He's like, Pete Tonelli? And I go, hey! And he was, it was just one of those things. Right? He like, didn't say, Pesto Pete? Well, I guess I'm, a, yeah. I'm part of the posse. Yeah, man. he, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If, I, I sent him a card, you know, I sent him an email and said, you know, 
please subscribe. Join the posse. Yeah, join the posse. Join the wave. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be part of something, you start now. <laughs> no, but it was really funny. What a coincidence. You bump into someone you don't that you know for 30 years, you know, four miles offshore. Yeah, it's crazy. And, but it was really cool. We were running to the vineyard. And it's a little choppy, but not that boat's cutting through it like butter, right? Yeah. And then you hit that. I don't know if you've been out there, but in the sound, there's a there's this choppy area, which indicates you know some kind of ground difference. You know, there's a and then it goes to flat, right? Like glass. Yeah, where it gets a little deeper. It's unbelievable, and you run across that. You you you're bouncing around a little bit, and not much in that boat, but you run across. And then you hit that flat, and you it's like it's like walking on air and then you kind of hit a little bit of chop and then you're in Tashmoo and you're in, you know back in the harbor and it was unbelievable so many boats it was a it was a 51 foot center console with quad 350s on it wow. and that boat didn't have a speck of dirt didn't have a, a leaf of seaweed it had nothing on it and oh, that's uh, good because I lent my boat to uh, those folks and uh, well hoping, they kept good care of it yeah, it nice people yeah. yeah oh what's a security deposit on that thing <laughs> What an amazing uh, He just vessel. laughed at me as uh, uh, Mercedes Maybach. Yeah, and his, uh, <laughs> his uh, American Express Platinum, or whatever they call it, the black card. Yeah. But, so anyway, so we've had some great experiences. And uh, you're, you're, you know, you're much more of an accomplished offshore fisherman than I've ever been. You know, I'm, I just don't have that opportunity. But, we're, you know, they're catching tuna right now. Uh, my buddy's up in, up in uh, Maine. He's slinging tuna on the deck every day. He's a plumber by trade, but he's uh, he's slinging a bunch of tuna. He's caught some really nice ones. And uh, Dave and Donnie were out, I don't know what it was, uh, I don't know, 100 yards offshore, watching 400-pound bluefin slashing pogies. You got to get in on that. Slashing pogies 100 yards offshore. I got to get and in And I can't that. send those pictures on Instagram because people will recognize the houses behind it. And they don't want that, you know, that they keep that real secret. Yeah. Which I get. Yeah. But but they chased them and they, they threw them, they threw them, they threw them, they couldn't get anything to bite, which is frustrating as all hell. It had been there. Um, but they're coming in closer and closer and they're saying that they're going to start giving commercial licenses to shore fishermen because you're going to be able to catch tuna on shore. Wow. You know, or offshore, off the shore, not offshore. Sure. So, so it's real cool stuff. Um, you know, Charlie, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of different things, and we've covered a lot in two podcasts tonight, wow. A and B, which I think was pretty clever, right? We're not going to just throw that first one away, because I thought it was pretty good, so we're going to follow up with 8B, and uh, I, I posted a picture on Instagram today, I think it was this morning, my friend Kenny, and you remember Kenny's stories. Kenny, my produce boy, you yeah. know, no um, Kenny. we won't talk about... The current stuff. And uh, reminds me of a funny story. I was looking at this picture of him with, with one of my first deer that he's, he's got under his arm like it's a pet in the picture on Instagram. It was a beautiful, dark, swamp deer. And he was so he proud. Got of a headlock or was it dead? You know what? I do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, as I talk, I'm going to show Charlie the picture because he doesn't follow me Instagram because he's just like that. He's just not a follower. Uh, from New Hampshire. So there's the picture. Right? Oh, yeah. So, so, so there's the picture. I don't know if you need glasses. Well, I tell you, the thing looks like a fox. It's so small. Oh, Kenny's a big boy. <laughs> Kenny was pushing 260, 270 back then. So, 
Huh. You know, sorry. I, I think of the, the, the good times of my boy Kenny, and, and one that picture on Instagram was one of them. Um, really good, gre- gregarious, beautiful person, right? And we're uh, we're in Connecticut, and we he was a produce guy, and I was a produce salesman. I mean, I, I was a salesman and sold a shitload of produce. So he gets a call. Hey, we got plenty of land down here. Come down to Franklin Farms in, in Franklin, Connecticut, and hunt deer on our property. And they were so nice. I mean, they'd take us out to dinner. With the, you know, we'd stay in a hotel, and and they'd they'd pay for our licenses or at least our our uh, private land permission slips and everything else. So, so we're out there one morning, and uh, I end up Kenny's up on this ridge, and I shoot a big doe, and as I go to approach the doe. There's a bunch of other deer and in Connecticut at the time, and it might still be the case, but I don't, I don't hunt Connecticut anymore. I see another doe, boom, I shoot the second one, both of them down. Next thing you know, that lug comes to the floor, through the, through the woods. And I'm field dressing the first doe, which I thought I shot through the throat. So it was like doing surgery. There was no blood. It was really kind of nice and clean. He's like, what are you doing? I go, couple deer down. He goes, How'd you kill him? I said, did you hear two shots? He goes, yeah. He goes, two shots. <laughs> so he says, you know, we're near this, we're near this tote road. Um, let me go get my truck. I said, good idea. So he goes off, goes on this tote road, gets his truck, pulls up, unbeknownst to us because we hadn't been, we didn't come through that way. There's a, there's a chain across the tote road and there's a house. So he pulls a truck over. Goes up to the house, knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Nothing. Knock, knock, knock. So he puts his hands up and he looks in the window and there's a woman standing there. And he's knocking. Lady! Hey, lady! I need to get through the gate! Lady! I need to get through the gate! Shit, she won't listen. What's the matter with her? She won't listen to me. So he gives up. Leaves his truck there. Walks a couple hundred yards down. So we threw the throw the two deer up over a pole, large pole, and we, we hike them down. Now, for him, it's like you know carrying his lunch bag. For me, it's you know <laughs> I'm, I'm you know maybe one fifty five soaking wet. I'm down behind him. So we get down to the, the the gate. We get the deer on the back of the pickup, and he goes, "Hey, this lady would not come to the door." He goes, "What what's up with that?" I said, "I don't know, Kenny. Let me go check." So I go up to the door and I look. Now he can't see for shit. I mean, this poor guy, like, if it wasn't for his glasses, he probably couldn't, like, brush his teeth. <laughs> so I go up to the door, and I start laughing. He goes, what's the matter? I go, Kenny, come here. He comes up, and I go, see that lady over there? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, that, he goes, that's her. I go, Kenny, that's Elvira. It was a cardboard, like, promotional, <laughs> you know, cardboard liquor cutout. thing. Yeah, when she was, I don't know what she was promoting, vodka or something. It was a cardboard cutout of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yeah. And he thought it was some lady ignoring him. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, she was never going to open that door for you, Kenny. You know, so so we, 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 we laughed about that. Um, oh, it, I, I miss those days. He was a, a great guy, great friend, you know, great uh Great supporter of my family, and, and uh, I'm sorry we've lost touch, but uh, it was stuff like that, and, you know. And that picture in the, in, was one of my first deer up at Quabbin when they opened that that controlled hunt. When he uh, he chased a guy off my deer one day, that's not your deer, that's my friend Pete's deer, and uh, you know he was a protective guy, so it was good stuff. But 
miss it, you know, miss that. But we've uh, we've had some great experiences. Um, so you mentioned you had um, a couple questions get emailed to you. I did. I did. I got so a question. Talk to me, Goose. Talk to me. Well, some guy, Bill from Kissimmee, who reached hey. out to me. Hey, I used to live right next to Kissimmee. I know he did. That's yeah. why it's kind of coincidental. Yeah, part, part of my sales territory. Bill from Kissimmee uh, reached out and on uh, on my Gmail account at pestopetepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. And Bill says, uh, hey, just curious about what your favorite um, animal to hunt would be or what your, what your quest animal would be and also what your quest fishing um, excitement would be. Well, no, not excitement. What am I trying to say? You're fishing quarry? You're fishing... Uh, you know, your your dream what would the dream fish. Your dream uh, dream outing. Dream yeah, let me not overthink trivia. this, huh? Yeah. So, hey, so have another have another uh, Modelo, Modelo Especial. Okay, so yeah. Now, in wait, that respect, wait, 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 was this question directed to you or me? Us. We're together. Oh, us. Oh, okay. Right. So yeah. that's what I was just going to say. Thank thanks. you, Bill. Bill, thanks for including Bill's me. Bill's the best. Bill, thanks for including me. <laughs> Bill doesn't know about you, but he does now, or he might. I so, think I met Bill at Gatorland Zoo. <laughs> You fed him when you were feeding uh, alligators chicken wings together. It's the coolest place I've ever been in my whole life. I went to one in um, off Alligator Alley, some Indian camp, and this guy was like back before it was Vogue, wrestling alligator alligators in front of us. My father thought it was the coolest thing ever, but yeah. and he thought they were all his friend because he had been there once before. But that's the way Don Tanoli rolled. <laughs> but, so anyway, all right. So quickly, Bill from Kissimmee is asking. All right, let's start with hunting. And you're not a big hunter, but you, you'd like to. You shoot. You've shot. Yes. You do a little shoot in my club. You enjoy it. If you were to hunt, and this, this is kind of cool because you haven't hunted before. Right. What what right. do you think would be the coolest hunt you could go on? Yeah, you know, it's uh, I kind of grew up in a household where my dad was very anti-guns. You know, he was uh, post-Vietnam and you know, uh, just missed all that stuff. And, uh, so, um, hunting wasn't a big thing in my house, but, but if that I wasn't the question, but no, 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 but I'm just kind of, you know, letting <laughs> yeah, our, no, no, our no. listeners know that oh, uh, the listen. reasoning behind my not, uh, you know, taking up hunting at a young age <laughs> like you did. And, uh, why didn't though? I had, I, I started yeah. hunting like at 19 Yeah. because my cousin kind of did. He was more of a shooter. I had no hunting in my family. My grandfather did, my mother's father. And um, it just, and my uncle, I, then again, my uncle Chuck did. Um, and I hunted with him a bit. But no, I, I, I've taken the family hunting to a, a new level, not the level of some guys. But I mean, it's more of a, you know, a pursuit of mine. But all right, so now back you're, to you're, you. Yeah, right, back to me. You're going to think I'm crazy because this is going to be the wackiest answer you've ever heard in your life. But um, for me, turkey. Why is that wacky? I don't know. I just don't have the, the oh, the, I don't have it in me to kill a deer or an elk or something big or whatever. I just no, I get it. But uh, turkey or tasty, and uh, turkey pheasant. And, but and it, you know what? And yeah, and, pheasant grouse. But you know. to your point, if you were to say, I don't want to kill a mammal, right? I'd rather kill a bird, right? Turkey's probably the most appropriate prey animal because. I'm not going to say it's easier, but it's, I mean, wing shooting birds takes practice, takes ducks, pheasant, grouse, woodcock, 
whatever. And for yeah. people who are listening from other parts of the country, chuckers or sharp tails or, you know, a sage grouse, that's a wing. That's a, that's shooting on the wing. For a turkey, you're shooting a bird that kind of acts like a mammal. Well, turkeys like shooting a small dinosaur because they, oh, they are so goofy and prehistoric looking and no, whack. Really and, uh, you know, ever since that one like came up to me in, in, in Boston, remember that? Yeah. It was in the city. And they're tough, man. They're tough. Oh, no. They don't take you, any shit. You threw them a little chin music, if I remember correctly. but <laughs> I did. I threw no, but that, no, that's cool. And that's, you know, and, and that's not an unusual progression, I guess, or not a... That's a desirable progression. So it, can I shoot him with my my uh, <laughs> my SIG? No. No, we can't. You can't shoot no, turkey with a handgun? No. No. Have we're going to start slow. We're going to start slow. All right. But no, but you know what? We what, we what you should do is we should start there. Why not? Or at least get out and witness a turkey hunt, you know, because it's, it's really kind of fun because, you know, you, you're calling an animal. It's like duck hunting without the wing shooting. It's, it, and, and, you know, they don't come to call like they used to we've had this discussion before but they don't come to call like they used to but they may I and wanna, they did they did this year i want to be the guy that goes what? good i want you to be that guy you might want to start getting better at that all right i'll work on that so so okay so your 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 quote-unquote big game animal is turkey yeah um i'm kind of torn i um I, I i may be doing an elk hunt next year and i want to I want to harvest my elk uh, with a bow. Um, that's my dream. Second to that, right now, is probably pronghorn. Wow! And I'd like to I'd like to kill a pronghorn over a waterhole with a bow, or you know, and I'm going to go against my ideals that shooting something 150 yards isn't hunting and shooting. But for pronghorn with binocular eyesight and everything else, I may go for the the killing of the uh, pronghorn at a 200 300 yards. Um, I like, I like, and I like the topography of that, you know, you're out and you can see a million of them and you're kind of, it's kind of picking and choosing, but then you got to get, and then you got to get stealth like, and I think that would be cool. But, but really top of the heap right now, because it's, it may not be that far away as elk. Um, no desire right now to kill bears. You know, these wolves get more popular and I have no desire to kill a wolf. Right. Um, muskox would be cool because of the adventure, but that's not. That's a shoot, not a hunt, to my opinion. In my opinion, it's. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, and you know, keep stay tuned for maybe episode forty will be about my uh, successful elk hunt. We'll see. Yeah. So what about uh, fishing? fishing? Yeah. Bill, getting back to Bill's question. Yep. Bill from, from Kissimmee. Kissimmee. Your, your call first. <laughs> I tell you, hey Bill. Bill's awesome. <laughs> so go ahead. Your your call first. Oh, it's a tough one. Um, you know, mine's I, easy. You know, I, 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 we went deep sea fishing on my honeymoon. I talked my wife into that. It was the one thing I wanted to do. And uh, we got skunked. And that was that was a shame. Yeah, well. Because that's a fantastic place to catch some big game fish. In Hawaii. Yeah. So I would have to say um, Hawaii or back to Costa Rica or anywhere you can catch. Uh, what target species? Uh, I would have to say marlin. You know, that would. Oh. Shooting big, <laughs> yeah. Black marlin, like a grander. I yeah, want, I'm telling you, know, you nothing I'm... small in a thousand pounds. No, I know. I want to go full, um, um, full Monty. <laughs> yeah, the, the full Monty. Yeah, full Hemingway. You know. Yeah. So. Um, and you know what? Speaking of Hemingway, I've been to Ketchum three times. I've been to Ketchum, Idaho, Sun Valley, three times. 
I never knew till this week that Ernest, I know he died there. He took his life there. I didn't know he was buried there. Yeah. He's in the Ketchum um, Cemetery. Is that, a, is that a pun? Catch him. Catch him. He caught him, all right. Catch him cemetery. We oh, catch him. We catch him. We <laughs> bury him. Sorry, no, but no. Sorry for those of you who no. catch him. Yeah, and sorry for those of you who like Hemingway. But um, no, it's unfortunate. I never knew that Hemingway was, was buried there. I, I would have gone either. And it's not a big town. And I'd love to have gone to his gravesite. And some guys say they like to go to his gravesite because they can pill for the liquor from it because everybody leaves <laughs> bottles of booze. But I'm, I'm just saying. Hmm. But no, I would love to have gone there. I mean, I. You know, I've read a couple of his books and stories and things, and and Old Man in the Sea is probably one of the best ever. But um, yeah, never uh, never realized that till now, and it's a shame because I may never get back there, but I hope to. But getting back to that, um, my target species, tarpon on a fly. Yeah, because I've been there. Yeah, wow. I've been there. I've thrown them. Yeah, I've had them turn on my flies. I've never put one in their mouth, and it's. Uh, I mean, the ones I threw to were plus 100 pounds yeah, on wow. a fly. And like John Brownlee says, you know, f- uh, former editor at Saltwater Sportsman, and I was on his boat, he said, you know what? Hooking them presents a whole nother set of problems. <laughs> <laughs> and you're fishing, you're fishing in seven inches of water with a fish that's six inches thick, deep. Yeah. And they're barely cruising. They're in, we were at um, Buchanan Bank. No current. That's in Florida? Yeah, off of uh, off of Isle Mirada, yeah. Yes. And we'll talk about that another time, the way Buchanan Bank works. But you'd bust a fish, and he would scoot away and leave a ripple that would last 30 minutes. Because wow. there's so little current, it would just keep spinning. Hmm. Maybe not 30. It seemed like 30. Maybe it was 15. Maybe it was 1. But it seemed like that. And it's amazing because they're coming up, and you, you fish the hump. As they're coming, the water in front of them lifts up. Oh, wow. And it creates this hump of water. You can't see the fish, but you can see the hump coming. And you throw to the hump. And uh, it was really cool. And we had, like I said, we had a couple of fish. In fact, that fly right there, Charlie, you're looking at my man cave. And I'm reaching for it, and I'm holding it. This fly was featured in a uh, in an advertisement for uh, the Chica Lodge down in, uh, in Almorada, down That's... the Keys. And you tied that. I tied this fly. Yeah, what do you what, call that thing? It, uh, it's a tarpon. I don't know what the exact name is, but it's a long-nosed tarpon fly. And the funny thing was, after we got back from our trip, um, I was looking through sport. You know, I got an, uh, an issue with uh, Saltwater Sportsman, and there was a fly on the Chica Lodge. They were they were promoting their fishing, and it was a um, Royal Coachman, which is a freshwater fly from out west, oh. you know, on the Green River. And I called Dave and I said, dude, they just presented a fly, a freshwater fly in a saltwater destination. He goes, well, time your fly. And we'll, in the next episode, on the next issue, this fly was presented in their advertisement. Man, you are practically famous. Almost as famous as Pesto Pete's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Yeah. So, so well, uh, thank you. So, hey, Bill, thanks for right. Thank for you, Bill. Writing in, uh, appreciate the questions. And you know what, Bill? Send me your address on Pesto Pete's Podcast on gmail.com. 
and you may get yourself a little Pesto Pete prize pack. <laughs> <laughs> who can't use a did new I say, koozie? Did I say might? I said you will. <laughs> who who in Kissimmee can't use a new, new koozie? New koozie. Hey, probably wore his koozie. Probably wears a koozie <laughs> out a week, that Bill. I'll tell you. Where am I? Go easy on Bill. All right, man. We almost done here? I we are done. my bedtime. We man. are almost done. So, yeah. once again, thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Thirsty Mofo. Oh, thanks, Pete. Thanks for yeah. having me. Ha two half podcasts. Yeah. Sorry for the mix-up, folks. We'll get that done. We'll get that tied down. But it's still a work in progress, as you know. Um, we appreciate you listening. Um, remember, Quiet Cat. That's Q-U-I-E-T-K-A-T. And if you're interested in one of their bikes, use a promo code PO20%. That's PO, like... Post office, the number 20 and the percent symbol, you get 20% off your bike. So thanks for listening. Remember me on Instagram at Pesto Pete's Podcast. Remember me on Gmail at Pesto Pete's Podcast. Gmail? Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah. Is that how it works? I don't know. I'm losing it. So check it out. Send us questions. Get a prize pack. And remember, it's always about tight lines and shooting straight. Take care, folks. Thanks for listening. Thirsty Mofo out. Out.